Let me begin with a long quote. We have more faith in what we imitate than in what we originate. We cannot derive a sense of absolute certitude from anything that has its roots in us. Our most, our most poignant sense of insecurity comes from standing alone, and we are not alone when we imitate. It is thus with most of us. We are what other people say we are. We know ourselves chiefly by hearsay. The person who said this was thinking Frederick Nietzsche, not Jesus Christ. Yet I think we can see a deeper truth to these spoken words in the light of our Christian faith, and thereby see the significance to our lives of the Trinitarian mystery that we celebrate today. The reality of our lives is that we do spend most of our time imitating rather than originating. Far from making us sheep mindlessly following the herd, that we do so is actually a smart thing. We learn from others precisely because imitating others is a genuinely good way to figure something out. When I became a lawyer, for example, a lot of my learning curve was spent observing how more experienced lawyers did things, which I then imitated, how they wrote their briefs, how they took depositions, how they addressed a judge. To be a good lawyer means not just to understand the law in an abstract sense, but also understanding the culture and customs of the legal system in which one operates. And the same thing when I was in the seminary learning to be a priest. I observed how experienced priests that I liked and admired did things, how they celebrated the Mass, how they preached, how they administered the sacraments. Imitating is easier than originating, which is why those things in life which call for some real, from-scratch creativity, such as art or writing, people often struggle to be productive. Artists await their muse. Writers get writer's block. Preachers pray for inspiration. By contrast, accountants don't pray for creative inspiration before they crunch the numbers, at least one hopes. Lawyers don't get lawyer's block, and if they did, they'd probably bill you for it anyway. Because these things are not about creativity in that raw sense. These tasks may be intellectually challenging and require a certain amount of creative strategic thinking, but they follow in large measure a certain pattern. Jesus Christ, of course, tells us that love is at the root of the Christian faith. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. St. Paul spoke of the centrality of love to our Christian faith in this way. If I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, then I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and knowledge, if I have faith so as to move mountains, but I do not have love, then I am nothing. If I, get, if I give away everything I own and I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, then I gain nothing. There's no question that the duty to love as our Christian faith calls us to do is a heavy burden. As any parent knows, sometimes love can hurt. But carrying that burden is made possible because we are not called to originate love. It's not something that we generate of ourselves. We merely need to imitate it. Our patron saint, John the Beloved, said this, 
We love because God first loved us. But even in this beautiful statement, we are apt to be misled unless we see it in light of the Trinitarian mystery. Let's suppose, for instance, that God is not a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he is simply one in the manner of other monotheistic faiths, such as Judaism or Islam. In that case, we might still say that we love God because God loved us first. But even if God was the first mover in that exchange, it would be the case that without creating something other than himself, God would have nothing to love. In that case, God's love would only exist in relation to us, his creation, which would place infinitely more burden upon us to reciprocate that love. Because we would have no image of mutually perfect love to imitate as we do in the Most Holy Trinity. Instead, through the incarnation of Christ and the descent of the Holy Spirit, it is revealed to us the love by which God loves us and by which we are meant to love him in return, that this thing already exists in God in a perfected way. The revelation of the Trinitarian mystery shows us, in the words of Pope Benedict, the intimacy of God himself, discovering that he is not infinite solitude, but a communion of light and love life given and received in internal dialogue between Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is why the love of God and neighbor that is shown by a Christian dwelling in the New Covenant is fundamentally greater than could have ever existed under the Old Covenant or, any, or under any other relationship to God. Because when we are baptized, we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We then inherit something of the perfect love that exists in the Trinitarian communion. That kind of love is a high bar, but we need only imitate it rather than originate it. We have confidence in that gift of Trinitarian love given to us at baptism and strengthened by the other sacraments because we can contemplate its most perfect expression within the inner life of God. But the mystery of the Trinity is not meant merely to be contemplated. The self-giving love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Trinitarian reality informs the engagement which, with the world, which the world calls us to in the Christian life. All Christian relationships are built on the analogy of the Most Holy Trinity. The family, of course, is the model that most closely approximates the Trinitarian ideal of mutually self-giving love, though obviously sin and circumstances can obscure it sometimes. It's one reason that the Church is adamant that we must strengthen and support families. But Trinitarian love must also penetrate the larger sphere of our social, commercial, and political lives. A parsimonious love that tries to restrict itself to our immediate, our immediate family and friends and to the social microcosm of the church is not a true Christian love. In the gospel, Christ says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. No aspect of the world or subject of human concern is meant to be insulated from an encounter with Christian love. Thus, it's fitting that we celebrate Trinity Sunday on the first Sunday in which we return to ordinary time, because all of the ordinary persons and things of this world, by their nature, reflect in some sense the Trinitarian God that created them, even while they await the redemption in Christ Jesus. Thus, it falls to all of us who have been supernaturally redeemed by baptism that baptism which reveals to us the perfect triune love to work and to restore all things in Christ.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 